Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Since this is the last Sunday in this series, I want to take a few moments and just um, remind you of all the seven habits. Um, And you can write them down on your notes if you want to keep them again. I'm going to also take a moment to, um, to emphasize why each habit is an important one. The first habit was keep the cross in focus. Always to know Jesus' love, grace, and mercy in our lives is what keeps our lives centered and on track. By staying focused on what Jesus did for us there, your life can't truly ever get off track. You're going to have hard times. You're going to have difficulties in your life. Um, There may be slight little meanderings, but when you keep the cross in focus, your life stays centered. The, um, the second habit that we studied was begin with eternity in mind. Begin, keeping eternity in mind is what helps us keep this life in perspective. It's so important for us to have perspective on our current life. And remember that this is really just a brief moment in our existence compared to the eternity that God has in store for us. So keeping eternity in mind in all of our decisions, it's huge. Number three. Putting God's word first. Put God's word first. This is the habit that gives us grace and power and wisdom for our daily life. Something that we need. So always putting God's word first in our lives. Important habit to develop. Habit number four was do unto others. That's the habit that allows us to live our life for a great purpose. It allows us to get beyond ourselves. And to say, you know what? Life is not all just about me. Do unto others. Remember that God has placed you in the midst of neighbors who need you, who need your love, the love that reflects Jesus' love for you. Habit number five was understand yourself, then understand your neighbor. This is what I call the habit of personal humility. Understanding that when you're helping a neighbor, you come as a fellow sinner. And when you understand about yourself that you too need God's grace, and then you approach your neighbor, you approach him in a a completely different way if you first understand yourself and then understand your neighbor. And so that, that allows you to grace others as you have been first graced. The habit we studied last week was habit number six, tap into the true source of faith. Remember that verse? Focus your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of your faith. Jesus Christ is the one who writes the faith that's in your heart like a book. He's also the perfecter. He's that final editor that makes sure your faith is developed and perfected. If you want to have an enduring faith, this is the habit that allows your faith to endure and persevere through all the hard times in life, through all the challenges, then This habit says, tap into Jesus Christ. He is the true source, the author and perfecter of your faith. And today's habit is keep your faith sharp. And this habit is the habit of lifelong learning and growing in your faith. Our whole lifetime is really an opportunity for us to keep growing our faith. And uh, as Peter says, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how do we keep our faith sharp? That's what we're talking about this morning. And I'm going to start out by saying something that I think may go counter to your intuition. 
I really believe that we as human beings seek safety and comfort. And as, and as human beings, our intuition is to stay at home, to stay safe, and, and not to get into stuff that is too risky. And that's why I say what I'm about to suggest to you may be counterintuitive. If you want to keep your faith sharp, you have to seek challenge, not comfort. And as we go through the message today, you're going to be reminded again and again and again from different angles that in order to have your faith grow and develop over a lifetime, you've got to be willing to change yourself from seeking comfort and safety to actually going out and grabbing hold of adventure and risk. Are you ready for that? It's going to be kind of a tough message this morning because honestly... And I'll include myself in this. It's awfully nice to stay in the cocoon. And what we're going to do today is we're going to challenge you and me to get out of the cocoon and to seek challenge, not comfort. You know, um, when I was a little boy, my dad, uh, we lived in Louisiana for a year. My dad used to like to take me hunting. It was on his family farm that we lived. And uh, there were squirrels. It was eastern Louisiana, lots of pine trees. And one of the things that we do as we were squirrel hunting is we would wander through these pine forests that by the end of the day were getting pretty dark and kind of scary for a first grader. And um, I recall very well one time, especially when I thought my dad was just wandering aimlessly. He was lost. And I looked up at him and I said, Dad, you're lost, aren't you? We're, we're, we're not going to find our way home. He goes, no, I, I know where we are. But we kept walking through this pine forest. And I got to tell you, the more frightened I got, the closer I stuck to my dad. Do you know why it's so important for you to seek challenge instead of comfort? Because challenge leads to fear. And guess what happens when you and I are frightened? When you and I are frightened, we seek our father, right? We look for the one who has the strength and the ability to bring us home. You've probably seen a little two- or three-year-old boy who maybe is a, a little bit frightened, and there he is clutching on to the leg of his dad's pants. And the more frightened that little boy is, the more tightly he holds on to that leg of his father's pants. And that's exactly why I'm saying to you this morning, it's important for you to seek challenge instead of comfort. Because if you'll actually reach out and step into risk and challenge, you're going to create situations for yourself where you're going to be scared. At times, kind of scared out of your mind. But that, that fright will cause you to grab the leg of your father's pants your heavenly father's pants. And do you know how to grab the leg of your heavenly father's pants? Here's the leg of your heavenly father's pants. God's words, God's promises to you, they are your firm foundation. They are the thing that that bring you strength and hope and comfort when life is going to hell in a handbasket. And you're going, why did I take that risk? Why, why did I think I could step out in that challenge and do that? And you're frightened. 
you're scared. The best thing that you can do and the thing that will help keep your faith sharp is to grab the leg of your father's pants and hear his words and promises to you again. How important that is. And so what I want to talk about this morning is some aspects of risk that will drive us back to the word of God, drive us back to the Bible, drive us back to God's comforting words and promises. First of all, I want to take up the word boldness. And especially if you look at some of the people that are featured in Hebrews chapter 11, which again is the chapter that we're studying this morning, you see an incredible amount of boldness. Boldness, especially in speech. These guys were amazing. And you may not know this, but even the author of this book was very likely a guy named Apollos. And Apollos was this very educated guy. He came from kind of a university town in our modern-day language in Egypt called Alexandria. This was a, a city in which a bunch of intellectuals had gathered to study the Word of God and, and other things, science and stuff in the ancient world. And Apollos was this amazingly high-powered intellectual, and he became a Christ follower. According to Acts chapter 18, uh, a follower of John the Baptist uh, encountered Apollos somehow, and, um, and he became a Christian. Now, pull out your crosswalk notes for a moment. And I want you to look at the verse that I put in there. This is a description of this guy, Apollos, in Acts 18. He, that is Apollos, again, he's the author of this book. He's the one that wrote down all these accounts of faith. Apollos had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, I know most of us, if we, if we get a picture in our mind of the professorial types, you see the quiet little guy locked away in his room in the ivory tower, right? Not speaking up much, kind of a quiet person. Well, here's this amazing intellectual, this amazingly knowledgeable man. And do you see what he's doing? You see what the Holy Spirit is moving him to do? Look at what I underlined. He spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. It says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. I want to point out some other verses about Apollos in Acts chapter 18. And I'm going to have them put up uh, on the screen too. But, but, but hear this. Verse 27 says, When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Now look at this. This is describing Apollos. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. If you've got your Bibles open and you've got a highlighter or something you can write, underline that word vigorously. Take a look at that word, maybe even circle it, public debate. Here was a guy stepping out, taking risks, choosing not to stay in his comfort zone and publicly debate others because he was going to be bold in his speech. 
Isn't that amazing? In Hebrews 11, we read that one of the heroes of faith is Noah. Remember Noah? Now, in Hebrews 11, Noah is described as building this ark. And as he builds this ark, it says he's essentially condemning all the people around him because he's building the ark. Amazing that this guy would go ahead and and build this ark. Listen to this. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Not even necessarily by saying anything, just by following God's command to build the ark, Noah was boldly speaking out. And all around him were people who were feeling the condemnation of why Noah had to build that boat. Because God was about to destroy the world because sin had gotten that bad. How about our speech about the Lord? Would God describe your speech about Christ as teaching about him accurately? Would God define your speech about Jesus as speaking about him fervently? Would God say about you, he just spoke out or she just spoke out so boldly about God and about Christ? You see, that's the challenge that's before us today. We're sometimes kind of afraid to speak out boldly about Christ, aren't we? But I'm telling you, and and not just me, the Holy Spirit through Hebrews 11 is telling all of us that if we want our faith to be sharp, then we need to take risks, and even risks of speaking out and acting out boldly on our faith. Now, I don't recommend that you volunteer to go preach on a street corner this week. That might be a little bit too bold for you at this point. And I don't, I don't recommend that you say, Pastor Jeff, I'll come up and take the message next week. You can if you want. But I I like to think that if we're going to learn how to take risks and be bold for God, maybe we start in small ways. Remember Jonathan's announcement about drop and shop? Here's a little way that you could start out by being bold in your speech. Take these cards and give them to a neighbor. And when you give them to a neighbor, tell them a little bit more than it's just about dropping your kids off so that they can go shopping. Remind them that their child will learn about Jesus when they come to drop and shop. That your child will will learn what the real meaning of Christmas is, that God sent his one and only son into the world. Teach accurately about Jesus and, and maybe speak just a little fervently about what a great opportunity it might be for your child your neighbor's child, to come to this event. You see, you don't always have to start with a huge act or speaking out boldly, maybe just a little one. But I'll tell you, 
If you start it with this, pretty soon you'll be taking bigger and bigger risks. So here's our first point this morning. Sharpen your faith through boldness. I want to start uh, the second part of our message and the second point about choosing challenge instead of comfort by talking about a girl. There's a, a girl, a Christian girl, um, and she, um, she married a young man who was at the seminary. And um, while they were at the seminary, uh, this young lady um, helped to work and put the young man through school. And, and sometimes the young man wondered, do you, do you mind doing that? And this, this lady said, no, I don't mind. It's an adventure. And then when that seminary student, um, when he graduated from the seminary, he, his first call by the Lord was to go overseas and serve in a mission field halfway around the world. And um, when the girl was asked, aren't you kind of scared to go halfway around the world? Aren't you worried about that? Are you ready to pick up and go halfway around the world? And she said, no, I'm not worried. The same God that's here will be over there. And those Africans, they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go. She said, it'll be an adventure. She didn't know that she would be living out in the bush with practically no electricity most of the day, maybe three, four hours a day. She didn't know that if anything happened back at home and she needed to buy a plane ticket, it would be $1,500 round trip to buy a plane ticket just to get home. She didn't know that it was so expensive to even make a phone call home that she would probably only be able to make a phone call home and talk to her mom and her dad two or maybe three times a year at most. But she said, let's go. God is there. They need to hear the gospel. It'll be an adventure. Many years later, there was a call for them to come and teach high school students. And... Um, this girl had been at a Christian high school. And when this call came for her, for her husband to teach at the high school, she said to herself, you know, when I was in high school, I had Christian teachers who taught me the word of God, and that had a major impact on my life. High school kids need to hear the word of God too. They need to be comforted by the gospel, and they need to be empowered by the word of God. And when her husband came to her and said, this is home now. Are you sure you don't want to stay? She said, no, let's go and teach those high school students the word of God. God's back in America too. It'll be an adventure. Her husband was at the high school for about five years. And um, one day he received another call to be an administrator of a, of a mission field. Now, she didn't realize this when the call came or even before the call was answered, but the call would ultimately mean that her husband would spend half of every week away from home. He wouldn't be able to come home at night. He would be traveling over the various mission fields to Native Americans, the Lakota and the Navajo and the Apache. 
But she said, you know what? Native Americans need to hear the gospel too. They need to know about Jesus and his forgiveness and his resurrection. They need to know that. You go ahead and accept that call. It'll be an adventure. Then a few years after that, her husband received a call to start a church. A church that had no money and had no people. All it had was the Word of God, the Bible, and and a couple people who would come around and say, maybe we can help. Her husband came home and told her, you know, the church body doesn't have enough money to start this church with yet. Um, It may be that I'm going to have to work a job to make this work for me to be a pastor part-time. And it may be that there are times when I won't bring a paycheck home. Are you sure you're okay with that? And that girl said, you know, the people of Levine and South Phoenix need to hear the gospel too. And uh, God is in Levine and in South Phoenix. And it'll be an adventure. And I think you all know who that girl is. That girl is my wife, Julie. My wife, Julie believes that walking with God can be a total adventure. And it's interesting if you look in your crosswalk notes. Take a look at this. Look at what Peter said to Jesus. Look at the adventure that he was on. Mark 10, 28 to 30. Peter said to him, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. And Jesus says back to Peter, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. And Jesus says, and by the way, with them, persecutions. You know what Jesus is saying there? It'll be an adventure. And in the age to come, eternal life. Flip it over. Now let's talk about one of the heroes in the hall of faith. Chapter 11. Here's uh, what's written about Abraham. Abraham was up for an adventure. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. It was an adventure. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You know what a comfort zone is? Comfort zone is where you feel comfortable. Places like Jesus is talking about. Place maybe called home where your brothers and sister, your mother, your father, your children, your fields are. A place where persecutions aren't. And it is so 
easy to get pulled by the comfort zone. Jesus actually in another place completely challenges this. One guy comes up to him and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to go bury my father first. You know what Jesus says to him? Well, first of all, let's talk about what Jesus doesn't say to him. He doesn't put his arm around that guy and say, you know what? I understand. It's your dad. Go back and bury him first and then come and follow me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say go back to your comfort zone. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me now. Don't go back to the comfort zone. It's too comfortable there. And your faith will not grow. Your faith will never be sharp as long as you need the comfort zone. Life, the life of faith is meant to be an adventure. And it's up to you, you know, in a sense, to decide. Now that you're a Christian, you know that Jesus made the first decision. This is biblical theology. The Holy Spirit called you, enlightened you by the gospel. He's the one that decided that you be a follower. But guess what? Right now, you have both an old Adam and a new man. And the new man in you, well, go back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The new man in you is saying, I'm sure. Even though it's still something I'm only hoping for, I'm still waiting for that thing, but I am sure that it is mine. And I am certain, even though I can't see it, I'm sure. That's what your new man says. But you know what your old Adam's saying? Buddy, it would be dumb to be sure of something you're still hoping for. What kind of an idiot would be sure of something that they're hoping for? Come on, man. Be smart. Get with it. Be certain of what we do not see. I need evidence. Any intelligent person would say that. That's what your old Adam is going to tell you. And so when you're presented every day with this choice, comfort, safety, staying at home, or challenge, risk, and adventure, You have to decide whether you want your faith to be sharper and sharper and sharper. Because by choosing adventure, you're choosing also to grab the pants leg of your father because you will be afraid. Your old Adam will make you afraid. But right there, always, right there, always, is the pants leg of your heavenly father. So choose adventure. That's the second habit. The second part of this habit to keep your faith sharp. Sharpen your faith through adventure. Last point. You know what? If you choose comfort over risk or risk over comfort, 
you're really kind of choosing almost like a thermostat setting in your heart. Imagine that you, that you all have thermostats in your heart. Instead of hot and cold, it says, on the one hand, comfort and safety, and on the other hand, adventure. I want to I have you check your own heart thermostat. I'm going to read you some words. What words do you like? You like the words safety, stability, harmony, predictability, protection, comfort, nurture, duty, support, preservation. Do those words tug at your heart? Guess where your thermostat is set? It's set on comfort. But if you like these words, risk, challenge, conflict, variety, adventure, competition, daring, curiosity, independence, and expansion. If you like those words, you know where your thermostat is set? On challenge. I did that so that all of us could check where our hearts are at today. But I also chose to call it a thermostat because guess what? You get to choose where the thermostat is set just like you do in your own home. And what God is really doing through this chapter 11 is he's telling us if you'll choose challenge, your faith is just going to grow tremendously because it is going to constantly drive you back to the Father and to his word. And that is so important for you to understand. Let's be honest. What's the greatest reason we need to choose challenge? You know what that is? Because there are so many wonderful things that will happen when you choose challenge. I want you to pull out your crosswalk notes again. Pull them out, and I want you to read this passage. Now, you're going to go, after you read this passage, wonderful things? What did he mean by that? But read this along with me. Hebrews 11:31 to 38. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies. Now, imagine this girl. She's welcoming spies from a foreign power that are, that are invading her land. But because she took that risk, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say, Apollos writes? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, Definitely some good things happening there. Quenched the fury of the flames. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking through the furnace and not even smelling of smoke afterwards? And escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Amazing things are happening. Amazing things were happening. And then we read, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging. 
while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They took risks. And things happened. And you know what I'm going to say to you? They were all good, those things that happened. Now you're going, Pastor Jeff, you're a crazy man to say they were all good. But you know what I mean by this? To know what I mean by they were all good, you have to know what's not in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, you read this hall of fame of of men and women who truly lived out their faith by the power of the Spirit. But you know what's not there? The other stuff those same men and women did. Let me uh, read a little list that I made. Noah, the guy who built the ark and shamed everybody else. Hebrews 11 leaves out the little fact that he was a drunk. Abraham, the man who took that wonderful journey, that adventure, passed off his sister twice, slept with her maidservant in order to help God with his plan of salvation. He thought God needed a little help. Got Abraham's wife, sarcastic Sarah, who didn't know when something was a joke and when something wasn't. You've got um, Jake the snake, not the football player, but Jacob the deceiver who stole his brother's birthright, right literally out from underneath his own father's nose. You've got Moses, a murderer, called to lead God's people out of Egypt. You've got Samson, a man set apart by God from birth, Samson was. A man of tremendous physical strength, but absolutely no moral strength. And you've got David. David, a man after God's own heart, he's called in the Bible, but also a man who committed adultery and engaged in a massive cover-up, which involved the murder of the girl's husband that he was committing adultery with. And he's hailed in Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero of faith. Why is it so important to take risks? Because what's not written in the book of Hebrews is God's grace and power in, in redeeming every one of those sinful people and turning them from, from hall of shame people to hall of fame people. What hall do you belong in? belong in the hall of shame like I do because of my sins or do you belong in the hall of fame with these guys well you know what I can tell you right now I'm a hall of shamer but one day by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit I hope to be in the same hall of fame with these guys not by what I do but by what a gracious heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ, is willing to do in me and through me. 
It won't be to my credit, but it'll be totally to the credit of God if one day I can be in that same Hall of Fame. And I hope that all of you will be there too. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.